Welcome to Spin It, a business podcast that takes you into the lives of some of today's most influential leaders, entrepreneurs, game changers, athletes, and many more. On Spin It, we take a deep dive into the lives and journeys of our guests to deliver real, unfiltered, and unscripted conversations that will surely inspire hope and promote change. We focus not on their current success, but on the obstacles and challenges that they faced along the way that often doesn't get talked about. How they battled adversity, getting up and being knocked down when all of the odds were stacked against them. Today, we're speaking to global business strategist and hyper-growth consultant, Kelly Roach. Kelly transforms overworked entrepreneurs into seven-figure CEOs by teaching them how to leverage timeless business principles with the most powerful online marketing speed and agility strategies of today. Before starting her own company, Kelly spent years in corporate America, rising through the ranks of a Fortune 500 to become the youngest VP in the company. During her time in corporate, Kelly led a team of over 100 people with record-breaking sales even during the economic downturn. Kelly's multi-million dollar company, The Unstoppable Entrepreneur, is the fastest growing coaching program on the market today. Kelly also discusses her failures with starting her own online business and how she recovered. Kelly has a new book releasing next month and is also an ongoing expert on ABC, NBC, Fox, and The CW. She hosts the Kelly Roach podcast as well. Kelly is also highly committed to ongoing philanthropic work with a one-on-one business model that brings clean drinking water to those who do not have access through her Human Family Foundation. In addition to running the coaching company, Kelly is also the co-founder of The Courageous Brand, designed to create a movement that would give young girls a competitive edge to rise to the top, break through those glass ceilings, and make a lasting change globally. The Courageous Brand offers a year-long leadership program for girls between the ages of 7 and 13. Please welcome to the show, Kelly Roach. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you and give our listeners a real deep approach to who and how you started this business, made it so successful, and then taught others. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Kelly, when I was reading your story, I felt so connected immediately. Grew up in corporate was the youngest director of a publicly traded company in Silicon Valley, which is no easy feat. Very, very difficult to compete in a world there, but also compete at the levels that we competed. So I was very drawn to your story. And when I was looking over kind of how you started, it was incredible. Can you give our listeners a quick tour through your journey, through growing up and into corporate? Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. I mean, the thing is, is I have a story probably very similar to many people, you know, that started off in a very large family. We live just above the poverty line. My parents argued about how we were going to pay the bills at the end of every month. It was a state of struggle. It was very much uh, an environment of high stress, high tension, high anxiety growing up. And, you know, for me, uh, my, well, to just back it up for a second, my father worked for a religious nonprofit and his belief was that in order to do good in the world, you had to sacrifice your own ability to receive abundance. Okay. And so we struggled. There's five kids in my family. There's seven of us living on a salary, you know, in a nonprofit, right? And so for me, the second that I was old enough to start working, of course, I was like a rocket out of the cannon. I mean, I had, I was the gatekeeper at the pool. I was the mother's helper. I was babysitting. I was in the restaurant as soon as I could. And I 
loved it. It literally made something inside of me just completely come alive when I realized that I could be in charge of my own destiny and I did not need to perpetuate this struggle. And as I got older, I ended up going to Westchester University. And the only reason I went to Westchester University, I got accepted to every school I applied to. I went to because I was going to be in the least amount of debt. Mm. Because, of course, I had no help from my parents. I was getting loans, da-da-da, the whole story. And the thing about going to Westchester was I had my entire life been a really high-level competitive dancer. I was an All-American All-Star for cheerleading. I was like an, an athlete, like a serious athlete. Wow. So I get to Westchester University, and everything's like D3, right? Like horrible dance team horrible cheerleading team. And I'm like, man, you know, I wasn't ready to like give up my sport yet. I I wanted to continue to challenge myself. I wanted to keep growing. I was an athlete, you know? And so I said, well, I said, I'm either taking a big step back or I'm taking a big step forward. And I was like, I'm going pro. So my first year at Westchester University, I auditioned for the NFL and I became the youngest NFL cheerleader for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I got to do dance and cheerleading. And it was the experience of a lifetime. It was one of my like five jobs that I had in college. I was a cocktail waitress. I was an NFL cheerleader. I was babysitting. I was teaching aerobics, the whole thing, right? But it was this unbelievable experience of getting to perform in front of millions of people, getting to learn how to communicate with everyone from the average Joe to the CEO, speak, do you know philanthropic engagements, all of that. And when I graduated from Westchester, I was like, I I just wanted to get into any job in a big organization, a Fortune 500 organization, a global company where I knew that I could show that I was willing to work harder, go faster, go further. I just wanted to show that I could succeed. I could contribute. And I knew that if I could just get my foot in the door, that I would, I would just, you know, be able to, to soar. And, And that's exactly what I did. So started with a Fortune 500 company. I was in the lowest level position, you know, making like $36,000 a year. And, you know, for basically a decade, I was the first one in and the last one out every single day. I got promoted seven times in eight years. I ended up building a team of 100 people, was running 17 locations around the U.S. And I really became an expert in business building. I learned how to teach, coach, and train people from the ground up with no business knowledge, how to do sales, how to do marketing, how to become a leader, how to manage a book of business, and and ultimately build a a profitable company because each location was essentially its own business. Yep, absolutely. So, So I'm doing this and I'm like, I got to the top of this mountain. Here I am. I'm a senior vice president. I had met my now husband. We're dating. We're starting to talk about our future. We're like, what do we want for our life? We want to travel the world. We want the freedom to live in, you know, experience life and all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's not happening here. <laughs> right? Like, You're like in that life. three weeks paid vacation. Uh... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that's not happening. So I said, well, what do I love to do more than anything in the world? And that is help people be successful. And I said, what skill do I have that could make a difference that people would be willing to pay for? And it was teaching people how to sell, how to grow businesses, how to how to market themselves. And so I started on the side of my corporate career and I literally started off doing one-to-one coaching at night after my corporate job. And, you know, 
March will be 10 years for me. And, uh, you know, the Unstoppable Entrepreneur Kelly Rich Coaching, it's now an eight-figure company. And our vision and our mission and our goal is to become the number one business education company in the world. And so it spent the last year building out the executive team and, and leaders and, you know, just systems and infrastructure. And we're really, we're really hoping to, to make that charge and really be an example for business leaders everywhere, but specifically female founders, just that the sky is the limit and that you can go as far and as fast as you choose to. And I just want to send the elevator back down. I want to send that elevator back down and help others uh, be successful in accomplishing their goals and dreams. So I have so many questions with that. <laughs> so there's so many similarities. I, I literally just want to be going, me too, me, oh, me too, me too. Yeah. But there's so many similarities. The first thing I want to ask, I want to go all the way back really quickly. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I want to be really respectful of your time and I want the audience to get intrinsic value from you. But I had the exact same experience where literally when, when people ask me, what was your first job? I'm like, which one? I mean, I was taking three buses and going to babysitting and to CPR and lifeguarding. And I was doing all of that as well. How much flack did you get from your family? You know, I remember I was in the car with my mom one day and I was telling her something that I wanted to do. And it was something that, of course, we can't afford. I always say the, the four most common words in my family were, no, we can't afford it. So mm -hmm. I guess it's five words, maybe. And she started laughing and she was like, Kelly, she's like, if you're willing to do the work, you go ahead, girl. Like, you can do anything you want. And I was like, okay. And I was like, game freaking on. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't give me a time. I think they always, you know, thought I was a little crazy. My brothers and sisters are very different. Like, they're much more like... I have one that was volunteering with the nuns of Calcutta. Oh, same, 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 same. My other sister is like on her third PhD. Like, you know, so they never really totally got me. They're like, right. who's this girl right. doing, right? But, but there is an important point that I want to share to your question, Stephanie. I shared about my father and the belief system that you had to be essentially poor in order to give back and make a difference. And I don't subscribe to that philosophy at all. I actually believe, and it's at the core of my business, I do a lot of giving back, that the more wealth that you create and the more impact that you create, the more that you can afford to give back. My parents were always in scarcity because we didn't have the money to give to other people because we were receiving the charity ourselves. As a wealthy business owner that has created generational wealth for myself and my family, I have the privilege and the opportunity to give back constantly. And so that's another part of the paradigm shift. I think the value system that came down through the generations was like, there's one or the other. You can be wealthy or you can be a good person, <laughs> right? And, and as business owners, we know that not to be true. The more wealth that you create, the bigger impact you can make. And that's something that I feel like we need to use our podium to share and to get more people to subscribe to. And, and especially for business owners to know that even if you're just getting started, when I was getting started, I was a little baby, nothing business. I wasn't even really making any money yet. I started off just, I would $30 through charity water. When you donate $30, it pays for clean drinking water for one person for life. So I just started with that. Right. Not a lot of money. I wasn't a big company, but I was like, you know what? $30 can change someone's life for the rest of their Forever. life. Forever. Yeah. So, like, so that, do this? that is such a great point. And, and so 
It's actually so interesting that you said that because now I had five questions and now I only have 15. So when you're talking about that on our intake application, so I do three lines of business. I do global business consulting, high performance impact coaching, and that's like real, which we'll talk about later. It's not like that, you know, laptop lifestyle, toes in the sound, any of that non-sustainable junk. And then crisis expertise. But one of the things that I ask when they come in, especially if it's a, a newer founder, maybe a first time founder, is what is your revenue potential? When will you feel as though you've made it? What is your measurement of success? And what I'm so shocked with all the time, Kelly, and I want to know if this is the same for you. I'm so stunned that women's number is so low and men's are insanely high. And then I, my next question in the intake application is how do you give? So when they, for example, I want my income to be $2 million a, a year because then I get the car and then I got the house and then I've got the boat. And then I'm like, who will you give to? What do you, do you, is there a charity? And they're like, oh, now I need my income to be $5 million a year. But yeah. just to use, like you said, people don't subscribe to the more that I make, the more freedom that I have to give. And you can have, like you said, the set charities, or you could just see the Kentucky stuff that happened or see, you know, something else that has just happened where you're like, Hey, I'm okay. And I'm going to give this. How come we're not thinking like that? There's still a lot of old paradigms that we have to break down, right? There's a lot of false belief systems that were passed on to us, especially as women. My gosh, I mean, we're recreating the way that the entire family unit operates, right? You know, if you look at the trends now that are happening, more women are becoming the breadwinners in their family than ever before. I play that role. Myself and my husband have this amazing partnership, and he has been home with my daughter since she was born, and we have this dream life that we decided on and created together, you know, but I think that, you know, more women were earlier on in the development and the, the years and the, the life cycle of women realizing like we can all be millionaires and there's room for all of us at the table. And, you know, I remember coming up in corporate and you, you came from corporate as well. A lot of women believe like they rightfully believe this because it used to be this way um, that they had to fight to get the seat at the table and that there was only one seat and there was room for me. There wasn't room for you. And, and now it's like what we know to be true is like there's abundance and opportunity for all of us in our, in our own unique, right. But I do believe that there's a lot of old paradigms around money and specifically for women, we're, we're earlier in our historical development of being in the working world and understanding what our true potential is. And that's the truth. It's like many women have no idea the capacity for change and impact that they possess. And that's why people like me and you are, are called to scream, you know, from the rooftops and, and help them to find the potential that they already have, right? It's not us, it's them. Exactly. We're just helping them unlock what's already there and, and, and maximize it. I couldn't agree more because when I, when you finish and you know this, you know, this emotional feeling when you finish with a client and they're literally jumping off walls and they're crying and they're hugging you and they're like, I can't thank you enough for you. I can't thank you for what you did to me. I didn't do this to you. This was there. I simply was the vehicle to pull it out, to hone it, to polish it up a little bit. This is all your gifts. And then yeah. they cry more, but I so wholeheartedly believe that. Which takes me to my next question. Do you say no, you're not ready when somebody applies? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we do. We do. 
you know, so here's the thing. And I mean, you said this when we kind of started the interview, like I am not, I'm a business growth strategist and, you know, you could say my company is in the coaching space, but there, there's a lot of issues with the coaching space. And I try to very much separate myself from that. You know, I like to say I am someone who is a consultative resource for business athletes, people that are willing to run the drills, get bloody, Mm -hmm. fall down, get back up, do the work, run the really hard reps and stay in the race for the long haul. And I am not the coach for everyone. And I'm, I'm very loud and proud about that because it's not good for them and it's not good for me. If you think this is about laptop lifestyle and toes in the sand, and then you come into my program and you realize like, that's not what it is. It's not good for you. And it's not good for me. I want to work with clients that I can help make millions of dollars. Right. And the um, other thing with that is it's not sustainable for you. So you leave that session with that person and you're like, God, what did I do? And then what you've done is you have contributed to that person feeling like a failure because they weren't ready to do the reps. We get overzealous. We get ambitious and go, you know what, if they just, or if we could, and I've stopped that. Like oh, we used to. Oh, absolutely. I, I was there too. Because I think, you know, by nature of being someone who's a service professional, I always say your Achilles heel is, you know, is also your, your unicorn superpower, right? My unicorn superpower is like, I can see the best in people. I can look at someone and I can see like, I'm like, oh my God, like I can, I can take you to the moon, right? And that's a good thing. But also someone has to be an active, willing and committed participant in that process. And I definitely had a stage of, of business and, you know, period where that optimism allowed people to come into my sphere that were never going to do the work and they were never gonna get the results. And it, and it took a little while for me to recognize, okay, this is, I have to be the one to say no. I have right. to be the one to say, you know, I'm sorry, but we're not the right for you. Right. right. It's not the right fit. You're going to feel badly. And then, and you know what? And in turn, so am I, yeah. because I don't want somebody to come into my group coaching. I don't want somebody to come into my one-on-one -on -one high impact coaching. I don't want that unless they're going to make five, 10, 15 million. I don't want somebody to stop at a million. How is that growth? That might be growth for right now, but it's just, it doesn't work. So yeah. I have recently got been dubbed the dream killer. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you so much. In this world, it's very, very necessary. I I've started talking about it very openly. I'm like, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And the problem is, is that it's been glamorized. Yes. Online. It is not glamorous. It is not glamorous. Like, and, and shame on, you know, so, and I'll just say this as an aside, I was interviewing on a show I flew out to Vegas and I was doing a PR tour a couple months ago for my book that's coming out. And I went on a show, a very popular, very well-known show. And, you know, the host was asking me about something and I was saying, you know, this is really freaking hard work. And I said, it's not for everyone. And if you're not willing to work your ass off, like don't do this and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I think this is easy. And, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, please don't say that. I want you to understand what you're doing when you say that. Because in the same sentence, he said, but, you know, I do work nights and I do work weekends and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you guys need to stop that because what you are doing is you are creating a false ideation yeah. of what it means to be an entrepreneur. And then so many people are flocking to do this just to have their dreams killed and they have anxiety and they have depression and they have overwhelm and they have defeat because you guys said it was easy.
Yeah. And there's something now, there's something now wrong with them because they can't do it. And so now we've opened up major mental health issues, which is a whole other problem. That's exactly right. And so I have made it a point over the last two years to be very, very consistent and very vocal about how, about talking about how difficult it is. And difficult does not equate to, it is unbelievably fulfilling and rewarding. I'm living my dream life, but I work my mother effing ass off to create that. It's not spontaneous combustion where you like, right? So I just think it's really important that we use our platforms in a way that perpetuates honesty about what it, what it takes to create that. And yes, you can achieve those things, but there's a level of stress and responsibility that come with doing the work that we do that is being completely swept under the rug and we're pretending, you know, and there's a lot of people doing that that are very successful business owners. And that's what disappoints me because if you're a multi-million dollar business owner, you're running an eight or nine figure company and you're saying it's easy. No, that's a problem. No, then that means you've lost touch with when you started and when you had no platform and when when you didn't have a talent strategy and when you didn't have a social strategy and when you didn't have copywriters. No, that's unfair. And you're setting people up for failure and mental health issues. So my, it's amazing that you said that because my segue was and and makes me so happy because, you know, we haven't talked before this. And so a lot of times you don't know if you're aligned, but you know, I was on a show very recently where somebody said anybody could be an entrepreneur. And I was trying to control my face because people tell me I should not play poker. But I was like, that's not true. And I'm like, I couldn't even articulate the sentence because there were so many reasons why it wasn't true. Why are we setting people up for this? Yeah, I, I you know, because it's an easy sound. It's an easy sound. And, and I think that we have to remember that when we have a platform, we have a moral and ethical responsibility to remember that when we are utilizing our platform, there are people, regardless of whether you want to be or not, that are looking up to you. They're hanging on to you. They're believing you. They're trusting you. They're making life decisions because of you. That's exactly right. You have to act in integrity. On social, on social so many times, like today, um, somebody, I did a post today and I remember somebody said something in the comment and they're like, yes, but how are you? I loved your post. It was amazing. But how are you doing on self-care? And I responded back, LOL. I pretty much suck at that 90% of the time. Like I'm not going to fake it. It's a goal and I want to do better at, but you're not thriving in every single aspect of your life. And if you're saying you are, you are not being truthful. You are not acting in integrity and someone is counting on that. You have the responsibility to not do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations. So, you know, one of my programs, the legacy leaders program is specifically, it takes people from seven to eight figures, right? And you know, and I know that is a very complex and challenging journey, like unbelievably difficult. And I said to my clients, and and I make it a point every week to really talk to them about the challenges that we experience and the mistakes that I made. And I'm like, this is the mistake that I made. And here's the the unlock. Here's what you can do differently. This is how much this costs me. and, And this is what you can do to avoid it. And I say to them all the time, I'm like, I freaking wish I had this program, you know, when I was going through this, right? That's the entire value of mentorship. It's not about pretending that you're perfect. It's about being able to help people to sidestep or to skip over landmines and pitfalls 
by being authentic and sharing what you learn from mistakes that you made and how you would do it differently in the future so that they can do exactly that. Right. And it's, I feel like sometimes we've like so lost our way. Well, like, because we're posting with Lamborghinis and rented homes in our private jets and our Manolo Blahniks and it's not real. And so people feel like a failure when they can't get there. They don't see the 80 or 90 hour work week. They don't see that, you know, they don't see that disconnect from your family when you're trying to create. They don't see these things. But the, one of the most important things that you said, Kelly, for me and I want our listeners to really Guys, listen to me. Listen to what she's saying. This is so truthful. Please hear her, okay? I was on Forbes a few weeks ago on a panel. I probably won't be invited back. But they said to me, how do you choose a business coach? And I said, number one is chemistry, okay? Number two, that business coach needs to be able to openly, authentically talk about their failures easily. Like, because if they can't talk about their failures, how are they going to navigate your landmine? What are you paying for? My three programs, my three service offerings around coaching, and I hate to say that word too. We'll talk about that in a little bit. My three offerings are everything that I didn't learn. So I talk about the $25,000 copywriter, the guru copywriter, the $22,000 Facebook ads. I talk about how many times did I blow it by being as diligent and careful as I was. Kelly, I ran a multi, multi, multi-million dollar, 22 global locations, and then walked away from that company, started an online business, and failed five times. After having how much business acumen, how much business experience, how many boards, how many VCs? Huh? And I talk about it because it's yeah. almost like, for me, I'm like, it's almost like triggering when they go, and then I'm going to, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's think of another way to do it because here's what happened whenever I did it that way. They're paying for all of my experience of going through this, navigating it successfully, so they don't have to feel that burden of catastrophe that I felt. And it was catastrophe. Yeah. No, I, I experienced such a similar thing. It's crazy. <laughs> I was taking the courses and the programs and I was doing all the things and I was just launching and launching and launching and just bombing. I yeah. mean, I bombed. And I'm like, I just built this thing, like 17 locations, like a team of 100 starting with one person. I'm like, I'm a good freaking business owner. It's, I mean, that's a whole nother, you and I could probably talk for eight hours, but I am so, I resonate with you so much on that. And I had, I had a very similar experience. Yeah. I mean, I was literally like, I remember talking to my husband. I remember walking away and this is after making, you know, millions and millions of dollars, 22 global locations, 600 employees, 1% turnover. Every stat that you give, Telstra, Nike, Motorola, American Express, you name it. I had it. How did I start my business in 2002? Just like your biggest time in 2008, 2009 in an economic downturn and crush it with no SEO, no LinkedIn, no Google AdWords, no social, and then move into that platform and not be able to do it. People need to understand it may not be easier because there's so much noise, but there are true and real business growth strategists like Kelly that can help get you over this hump. So talk to me about the pandemic and the great resignation. What do you think happened? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. So, well, first of all, what I'll say is it's so interesting because the pandemic really accelerated the explosion of growth of business online. And uh, both myself and, and the majority of my clients had like our biggest years during the pandemic because everybody was home. So they were consuming more content online watching more online uh, videos, they're going through launches, they're going through workshops. So that was very interesting because, 
there's a lot of businesses that were still relying on uh, an in-person event model and or a brick and mortar model that for years were struggling along with mediocre growth, couldn't really figure out how to adapt. And then overnight, they didn't have a choice. And they're like, there's no choice. I had, you know, one of my clients pivoted her business from brick and mortar to online, sold the business, the the building in, in like a day, took the business online, cut her expenses down to a fraction and, and now is like growing international where when she was brick and mortar, she was stuck to local. It's right? limiting. I actually think in a lot of ways, the, the pandemic accelerated the opportunity for growth online for people that really were in the space and the mindset of this. The great resignation is boggling, right? So we went from the government, you know, sending checks, stimulus, 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 lots of extended unemployment, and then the great resignation. And it's like, where are the people? Mm. Every business that you walk by uh, in downtown is like, we're short staff, we're hiring, yeah. we're hiring. A lot of businesses, I mean, I don't know what part of the country, you know, what it's like for you, but where we are, I'm in Florida, I was in Pennsylvania, we have a lot of businesses that are actually shutting down yeah. and working on reduced hours because they don't have staff. Same for us. So I moved right before the pandemic from San Francisco. I moved from San Francisco to North Carolina. If you've been to New York, they're like, help one at signs are like in neon. And they're like, we're yes. going to have to close or we're only open Friday and Saturday and Wednesday night because we don't have staff for it. So you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's wild, you know, so for us as an organization, we've been a hundred percent virtual. We have people all over the U S and in Canada, we have employees, you know, throughout. So it, you know, it wasn't a change for us and we haven't struggled to hire, but also we're, we have, we're all work from home. Right. Yeah. So I think that as businesses, you know, people were home and then businesses were like, okay, come on back in. And people were like, no, no, no. I'm good. Right? So I, I just think for all organizations, on one hand, uh, going into this year, having a great strategy for retaining top talent is going to be super important. Like culture, 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 culture. Like we all have to be obsessively working on company culture because otherwise they're, they're not going to stay. That's number one. And then number two, for businesses that are brick and mortar, you're going to really have to think about your online strategy. You have to find a way to create that profit and more uh, in a virtual setting because people just, they don't want to go into work. They do not want to work in a physical building. So I was having this conversation with Claude uh, Silver, who is the chief heart officer for VaynerMedia. Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago and she was telling me some really interesting stats about how she was creating different programs and different perks for this culture community. How do we get the culture to trickle down? And it's actually so interesting, Kelly, I'd love to talk to you about this offline, but it's actually so interesting to me because people are having such a difficult time perking, bonusing, solutioning, whatever you want to call it, the different generations. So Gen X wants something different than Gen Y that wants something different than millennials. And they're really struggling. You see those departments just kind of throwing their arms up in the air. And even for me, whenever I was creating programs around this, how are you present with no presence? Okay. How do you actually show up? What does that look like? Is Zoom fatigue real? All of these different questions 
How are you dealing with that when somebody comes in and starts taking one of your programs? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we look at our programs, there has to be dynamic, right? Because we know that people get bored really, really quickly. And Zoom fatigue is real. I mean, I, I believe it is real. I, I get it. I had a strategy call. I had a two-hour two strategy call with my CMO yesterday. And I said, I'm walking. I'm going to walk while I talk to you. I'm not getting on Zoom. I said, just call my phone. I'm not getting on Zoom. And, and I had a, a team call with my entire company yesterday. I pay a team trainer um, that, you know, does meditation and exercise and workouts. And I said to them, I said, guys, I said, this is part of your benefits package. You have to take a couple times a week to get away from your desk. We have a Facebook group that's private. That's just for the team. I said, go do the exercises, go sit and do the meditation, get away from your desk. I think we're all just going to have to work really hard at evolving what we're doing to bring different things into it. We found obviously that, you know, people going through the programs, they want community. So we're doing a lot more things like co-working, right? They want to get together and co-work on Zoom. They still feel at least that there's a sense of connectivity doing work in conjunction with others versus just being alone in their office all day. So it's just really like translating. We're all going to have to translate the principles of the past into what does that look like in the future, you know? So let me ask you, I have like two or three questions where I want to kind of get down into like real tips for people that are going to be leaving corporate. Okay. I'm going to caveat it with this. Before I started online, I did a lot of performance coaching for very high level individuals. So think of like level two, level one partners at like PwC, Deloitte, Accenture, Nike. Okay. These guys run billion dollar businesses. And as you so eloquently put, pointed out, those are like many businesses within businesses. So they have a talent strategy, they have a community strategy, they have all of these different ways that maybe their business operates a little differently than somebody else in their same brand. Yes. And now these people are, they've 15, 20 years at Accenture or Deloitte and they're like, hey, you know what, Steph, I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I know what I tell them. What do you tell them? How do you set them up for success? When do you say, come back to me when? What yeah. does this look like? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that first of all, there's been this message for a really long time. I remember the Tony Robbins audio where he says, burn the birds, right? <laughs> Which I don't subscribe to that message. I, you know, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I was a high powered executive in, in a global international firm. And I started my business at night on the side. I did disclose it to my employer <laughs> from day one. And I said to them, if you want to fire me, because this is what I'm doing, I'm completely comfortable with that. But I said, I will still continue to be your top performing executive in the company. I will exceed my budget every single year and I will have the number one ranked area in the country. So you can decide what you want to do, but this is what I'm doing. And they said, okay. And they, they left me alone. But I am, no matter how good you are at business, there is a translation and a learning curve to go from doing business within the environment and scope of someone else's company to building your own. I rely on the skills that I used in corporate much more today that I'm running a big company than I did probably when I was getting started because it's a completely different skill set to go from running an existing business to running an existing business versus constructing something from the ground up with nothing in place. It's a different skill set. And I think that's one thing is on one hand, I think a lot of people in corporate underestimate the value of their skills and just how much money they can make and what they can do. On one hand, I think that's very much underestimated, especially with women. 
especially with women. On the flip side, I think what is underestimated is the learning curve of making that transition from, I have this idea, I know I have this talent and expertise, I want to go out on my own. It usually takes people a year, a year and a half to even get to the point that they're really, truly, no matter how much clarity they have, really, truly ready to take action. So for me, I'm looking for someone who's gone through that process. They've gone through, it's almost like a death and a rebirth. Yes, to really be ready to take the action to grow and scale something new. And I'm the last step. I'm not the first step. Because if I'm the first step, I'm kind of the last stop before you do something else because they've already gone through it. But like, just to your point exactly, to to add on to that, to piggyback, resources. You're doing your own expense report. You aren't calling Conquer to make your travel arrangements. You don't have two or three analysts that are creating spreadsheets for you or who are reading your brain because they've been trained for two years. It is all you. And if you can't handle that grit because you've been propped up at a company for 20 years where you've had a hundred people, you know, running around you and you're the top, you are definitely reverse pyramid. My friend, you are on the bottom and you are constructing. This is not a rebuild. This is a brand new construction and you will pull your hair out. So I don't want to be the first. I want to be the last. Well, no, and, and I think, you know, you and I could spend one hour with someone and, and they would cry and they would <laughs> cry and it will take them a year to a year and a half to implement what you gave them in that one hour there. It's, it's just a mental, it's a mental readiness. And you're absolutely right. You know, if you've been in a company and you're used to having your admin and your team and you're this and you're that. And now you're coming in and it's like hustle and grind, my friend, you know, send those messages on social media, pick up the phone and make the call, get on camera. Like that's a different game. Completely. And they are not when they're like, can't wait, what do you mean by camera? How do you prepare for that? Like, what do you, and I was like, Oh no, you don't like, you don't get your podcast questions, Stephanie beforehand. I'm like, no, no, like, no. Do you go to orals and get they you know everything that they're going to ask you? No, you don't. So when you're constructing your team, Kelly, because now you're you've blown up, you're amazing. I was listening to so many of your podcasts, and guys, we're going to link her podcast and her business, and we're going to talk about her book in a second. But we're going to link everything in the show notes here. Kelly, your business has evolved three or four or five times. This is normal. This is natural. As you evolve, your business evolves. What programs do you offer right now? Yeah. So right now, so Legacy Leaders is our program that's focused on helping people go from seven to eight figures. Before that, And that's really focused on multiplying, duplicating, and scaling team. So high level leadership, team management, performance coaching, talent acquisition, understanding the dynamics and complexity of building what I call like the 10-10-10 model, your executive team, your leadership team, your production team, and everything in between. So that's legacy leaders. Uh, Legacy builders is systems. So, you know, what is the house of cards that typically happens in entrepreneurship? You go out, you work your tail off, you go get a bunch of clients. Now you have a bunch of clients. Now your business collapses because you have no infrastructure. You have no system. You don't understand operations. You don't understand. You don't have a billing team. You don't have customer support, right? So legacy builders is all about really making this clock run, right? Putting all the right things in all the right places. And it's about moving from being the business to running a company. 
right? So that's legacy builders. And that's, you know, typically people come into legacy builders, maybe they're multiple six figures, 300,000, whatever, and they'll go to a million and then they'll graduate from a million and go into to leaders. And the unstoppable entrepreneur is our hyper growth program. So we have people at six, seven, eight figures and beyond in the unstoppable entrepreneur. And that is really the most cutting edge sales, marketing, really understanding how to leverage the power of the online world to create sustainable, profitable, hyper growth in your business. And that's for any level of business that just wants like the most competitive cutting edge strategy for massive client acquisition, high integrity, predictability, profitability, all of that. And then if you want to work with me from the standpoint of like high level consulting, I will work with entrepreneurs and business owners that are already at that multiple eight, nine, right. et cetera, to do, you know, strategic, you know, not just vision, but the, the strategy. Execution. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So this is incredible. So you have three levels of programs. Did, does did these three levels... Do they get any time with you or are these your trained coaches? So it's a combination of both. So I have a pretty large facilitation team and all of our programs are incredibly high touch. So like we're not running like courses or anything like that. Uh, the Legacy Leaders Group works with me. Legacy Leaders Group works with me every week. The Legacy Builders Group has all different facilitators that are specialists that are teaching systems that relate to their area. Like I'm not going to come in and teach you about your HR systems. I'm not going to teach you about Right. So I'm bringing in high level specialists in each of these core areas of the systems of your business. They do get some time with me to work specifically on the rapid growth strategy. Everything else they work with our facilitators on. Awesome. And inside awesome. the Unstoppable Entrepreneur, we have like 20 of us that are each playing different pieces. I do what's called strategic advisory. So I'm really setting the high level, like this is what you need to know strategically. I'm setting the vision. I'm pointing them in the direction. And then my facilitation team is really leading them through the process of implementation. So tell me, how do you hire for you? for your company, for your, because I am a nightmare when it comes to hiring directly for me, not for the company, for the yeah. company. I, I really understand what our clients need, but I need somebody for me when I'm hiring who anticipates, yeah. who really kind of goes, you're not able to articulate this, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm going, yeah. how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a journey and a learning curve, you know, like I always say, and I teach a lot about staffing and recruiting and I came from staffing and recruiting and, you know, we all want to do this perfectly and we want to do it the right the first time. But the problem is, is when you don't know what you don't know, there's no way for you to hire the perfect person for the role when you have not yet experienced exactly what you need for it. And so for me, you know, with most of the roles that we hire for, we might have to go through one or two hires before we really pinpoint the exact right skill set, personality, dynamic, relationship, experience, all of that to get there. And so that's that's been a very painful process, um, I have to say, unbelievably painful, because when you're in hyper growth and you're hiring because you're growing quickly and you need this role filled, the absolute worst thing in the world is hiring who you think is the perfect person just to find out that they're not and then starting the process over again. And I am of the belief in all integrity and honesty that you cannot sidestep a certain piece of that process. We do interview videos. We do multiple rounds of interviews. We, you know, you can use assessments. You can go all through this. It doesn't matter if you haven't had someone in the role yet. There's no way to anticipate perfection 
when you haven't experienced it yet. You no know? assessment is going to catch that. There's no. no, because, because like you said, because we don't even know what we don't know. Exactly. So do you coach or do you, do you coach over a long term time or do you fire quickly? It's a great question. I've done both. The answer is I've done both. If, if I recognize quickly that this is not going to happen, I'm done. If I see the potential and I feel like it's more of a growing process of, okay, hey, I need to invest in this person. I need to build this relationship. I need to create mind share with the person. I'm Rudy all day. Like I'll fight for Rudy. Like, so I'm not, a, I'm not over here and I'm not over here. It's really, to me, it's, it's assessing every individual situation and saying like, is this a situation in which investment is going to bring return? And that's really the question that I'm asking. Is investment going to bring return? If I can see that investment isn't going to bring a return, I'm done. If I believe that investment is going to bring a return, then I'm going to pour my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole body into giving everything I've got to try and get that person, you know, to where they can and, and should be as quickly as possible. What is the number one mistake that you're seeing right now from new entrepreneurs? The number one mistake is thinking that there are shortcuts. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Laptop lifestyle, toes in the sand. Laptop lifestyle, toes in the sand. And ironically, you know, I just moved to the beach. I go to the beach four times a week. I go walking by the water every day, but that doesn't change anything we talked about today. Right. right? And it's also 10 years later. It's not overnight. It's 10 years later of sustainable, hard growth. And I'm not saying be tied to your your computer or your office, but just like you said, Kelly, it's strategy. It's, it's hyper growth. It's a conversation with your partner. It is a conversation with your parents and the loved ones around you that you're not going to make every single event. It's yeah. a conversation of like-minded people around you and not yes people, not the people that are just like, oh yeah, great. Absolutely. But the people that challenge you to the next level, it is not laptop lifestyle. That's exactly right. So yep. your, your highest program, your, your legacy leaders, what's the biggest mistake that they make? I'm not even going to say it's a mistake. I think it's more so that they don't recognize like how high and how far they can go. Right. So, so I think it's just this constant resetting of someone coming to you with a vision that's like here and you being like, no, like you actually can be here and you can be here by the time you thought you could be here. And like, I, I think it's just. And, and I have a lot of female entrepreneurs, obviously I don't market specifically to females, but I attract a lot of females just because I'm a woman, whatever. Again, I think we're pioneers, you know, I think that we're paving the way. And I think a big part of our role is taking someone's vision that's here, that feels big to them and being like, no, actually you can be here and, and I know you're capable and I see it and here's how, and then supporting them and doing it. So I think a lot of times we try to solve problems that are too small. I and I think that. that would be the mistake I would say for them is trying to solve problems down here when what they're really capable of is solving problems up here. And then this problem will go away on its own. Does that make sense? You know what? I cannot wait to have this conversation with you in person because I say your problem's too small or I say scale your problem because you ha you're, you are right here. And while I like it, cause it's great and it's foundational, we can do a proof of concept. Let's do it quickly. Let's move to find out what's your standout, what's your key differentiator. That's your audience. How do you know that's your audience? How, tell me how you vetted your audience. And then that's usually a whole other conversation. 
This has been so incredibly enlightening. I would be remiss not talk to you about Courageous Brand. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, myself and my best friend of 20 years, uh, she is a high level executive in the pharmaceutical world. And, you know, she was working her way up and working her way up. And, you know, I had done the corporate thing and then built my business and grew it quickly and all that. And, you know, we came together and we were talking about this idea of the next generation of women. And we were talking about what is the differentiating factor between women that achieve greatness and those that don't. And what we landed on is that it was really two things, courage and confidence, not talent, not intellect, not advantage in life, courage and confidence. It's you believe that you can, and then you have the balls to go and do it, right? That's really what it came down to. So then we said, Okay, well, some people in life are naturally inclined to be courageous and are naturally inclined. They just have a lot of confidence. But a much bigger part of the population is not naturally blessed to just be naturally confident, naturally courageous. That is not our default for most people. And so we said, how can we create something that teaches the next generation the number one thing that no one's teaching them that's going to determine the outcome of their life. And so we created the Courageous Brand. And literally the mission and the vision and the purpose of the company is to instill courage and confidence in the girls of our future, entrepreneurial mindset, belief in what's possible, belief in themselves. And we created something called the Courage Academy that's for young girls. It's for girls ages seven to 13. And it literally teaches girls how to build courage how to build confidence, how to speak on camera, how to confront problems, how to resolve disagreements with friends, how to be a leader in any situation. I mean, it literally teaches girls all the skills that you never learned in school that are the most important things that you need to know to have a great life. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And we will definitely link that as well. The work that you've done with Human Family Foundation, I spent so much time. Tell our listeners what that work is. Yeah. I mean, it started off, like I said, when we were this little baby nothing company and I was just giving $30 a week and I put this little tracker on my website because I was so proud of like us donating our $30 a week to Charity Water. And then eventually, like as the company was growing, I was like, you know what, like I I really want to do something real with this. And that's a big part of like my vision and why I've invested so much in the past year in building my executive team and my leadership team is that I want to get to the point where I can actually dedicate a lot more time to the Human Family Foundation. And so that's what I'm working towards. But I wanted to, number one, integrate giving into our everyday business model. And number two, and most importantly, I wanted to use my platform as a business leader to encourage all entrepreneurs to build philanthropy into their business in whatever way, shape, or form they can, no matter if it's 50 cents or a dollar or whatever it is. And I wanted the opportunity to make donations that matter, that we cared about, to things that we wanted to give to and not necessarily have it be tied to a specific organization. As you know, a lot of philanthropic organizations, you know, you donate $10,000 and 300 bucks makes it to the cost. That's right. And so many people, Kelly, don't know that. So many people are so excited about how much money that they give and they feel like they're making such a giant difference. And then later after giving for years and years, they find out that that 30 or 40 or $50,000, because that could have gone somewhere else, 
maybe that organization got one or two thousand dollars and it's it's deafening it hurts so it's badly horrible. it's absolutely horrible and so you know like last year when ida happened i literally got in contact with people and i was paying for people to have mattresses that lost their entire homes and i wasn't giving to an organization i was literally donating directly to the yes. people i was sending payments directly to people so that's what i want to do i wanted to make, make a direct impact and not go through all the nonsense of i'm paying 18 people's salaries before a dollar ever makes it to doing any good in the world, right? So, you know, I think as entrepreneurs, it's so important to remember that if you have an audience, and I don't care if your audience is three people, your audience is 3,000 people, 300,000 people, or 3 million people, you have a podium. You have to use that podium for good. And that can start from the day that you go into business, and it can be 50 cents, a dollar, $5, whatever it is, and just make it a part of who you are. Because Every time someone sees me talk about Human Family Foundation, they say to themselves, and I've had so many clients come to me and say to myself, I give back because of you. Because you model that for me, I now do that. So it's like we have this opportunity to create this tidal wave of making a difference. And it's it costs you nothing to just be good and do good and, and then encourage others to do the same, you know? I think that's beautiful. And I think it's really important that people see you doing that from the start, not after you've made millions and millions of dollars, build your foundation, understand who you are. And then as you grow the foundations that you love, that mean so much to you grow as well. Yeah. Kelly, tell me about your book and how do people find your book? Yes. Okay. So uh, my newest book is coming out February 22nd and it's called conviction marketing. And I wrote this book because I literally cannot deal with the nonsense that entrepreneurs are being taught to do like little puppets on a string that make them look like morons and dumb down their message. And I just, I see these beautiful, smart, talented, mature, sophisticated women, especially in business that have this ability to make a massive impact in the world thinking that they have to point and dance and lip sync in order to get attention and to compete online. Regurgitate and, crap. Yeah, I, I can't I can't let people do this. So the whole point of conviction marketing is to give a framework for the way that you design the content that you go to market with, the message that you share, the way that you break up your content between hope, how-to, and conviction, and really empowering entrepreneurs to understand how the message that they have to share is good enough. The value that they have to share is the value. And, and it's really giving a methodology and a framework for entrepreneurs to use to stand out in the market to be seen, to be heard, to get paid, but to do it in a sophisticated and elegant way that doesn't take away from the, the lifetime of experience that they worked so hard to create to get the results that they've achieved. And so I'm, I'm really trying to get a message out there in the world that you don't have to dumb yourself down. You don't have to follow these trends. You don't have to do things that you're going to look back and regret. That's why I created the book. So as you speak, I literally have no idea how I've never known you my entire life. And I'm really frustrated about that because we also too have a program called convey your conviction. And so I'm just sitting here going legacy yeah. conviction. I'm like, oh gosh, like I literally, sisters. I really, exactly. I'm just, I love that you're not regurgitated, Kelly. I love that you're the first coach to come on because it meant so much to me 
to have somebody who was really good, who acted in integrity, who used their platform for good, that didn't take everybody, that really, truly would say no to somebody and not just collect a check, but also to somebody that was real and human and say, let's not do it that way. We've done that before and I've made a mistake or I failed. Just the honesty and the integrity. We like to end our podcast with one question. The entire show is about obstacles into opportunities. What's the biggest obstacle that you have faced since starting your business that you've been able to turn into an opportunity? Like so many. <laughs> You're like, that's another podcast. <laughs> um, my failure at launching over and over and over again, where I not only failed, but I actually lost money launching, became such a frustration that I eventually stopped following everything that I was taught. And I ultimately created the live launch method. And the live launch method, I went on to teach 40,000 people. It's what took us from being a seven to an eight figure company. It's helped hundreds of people make millions of dollars around the globe. And it all stemmed from my absolute and total abysmal failure. So I would say that would be one of them that really came full circle. I think that's incredible for our listeners to know that you failed and that failure turned into what started this multi-million dollar corporation. Kelly, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say the number one place I would invite you to come is to listen to the Kelly Roach show because I do multiple episodes a week. It is my heart. It's my legacy work. The shows are 20 minutes or less, and I've been doing it for, I guess, six years now. There's over 800 episodes. So I would say the Kelly Roach show is a great place to just come and learn and absorb and, and grow with me. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I look forward to chatting with you again really soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Spin It. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be notified when a new episode is released. Also, head over to YouTube to check out all of the live videos on our new podcast channel, Spin It with Stephanie Malik. The best way to support the show is to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you want to hear more from me, hop over to Instagram and follow me at Stephanie Malik. That's Stephanie with a Y, S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E Malik, M-A-L-I-K, or visit my website at stephaniemalik.com.